Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. It's episode number four. Can you believe it? I've done this 400 times, and it's been a joy each and every time. Some of them have not been so great, I admit, but uh, for the most part, we always try to give you our best effort and uh, best quality, and, and, and I thank you all for all the, uh, the support over the last 10-plus years and the last 400, 399 episodes of Mets Musings. But I got a great guest, and I want to get to him right away. So without further ado, let's go to the guest uh, that I have this week uh, that we pre-recorded a little bit earlier. So enjoy. I'm really excited this week because we have a return guest to the show, and it's somebody that has been on numerous times before with his great books, and he's on today to talk about uh, a new couple of new endeavors that he has going on and a possibility maybe we can pry loose some information about an upcoming book. He is Brett Topel, the author of uh, so many books, When Shea Was Home, uh, So You Think You're a Mets Fan. Brett, welcome back to uh, Mets Musings. Thank you so much for having me, Gary Mack. It's great to be here. So, Brett, you, you've gotten into the uh, podcast I- uh, industry, as it were. Uh, tell us about the new podcast. It's called BT Talks Baseball. It's terrific. It's on YouTube, and it's uh, a shorter-based podcast slash vidcast, but a uh, very interesting concept that you, uh, you zone in on one thing, but you got a couple of great extras on there. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for for having me on uh, to talk about BT Talks Baseball. It's been a it's been a lot of fun. You know, unfortunately, it was born out of uh, a lack of baseball. And you know, my my first one, uh, you know, I think basically premiered the Friday before what would have been opening day weekend. And you know, I always wanted to do something podcast like, video like. I wasn't sure exactly, um, and I kind of settled on this this. Uh, this format of, of speaking to a former player uh, or announcer or executive uh, each week about a very specific aspect of their career um, or their lives. Uh, uh, and it's not, it's not um, exclusively a Mets podcast, but because of, of who I am, it certainly gravitates towards that. And you can see behind me, I have a photo of City Field and Todd Pratt's over there rounding the bases after uh, his home running at Manti. So, more often than not, it becomes sort of a Mets podcast. Uh, my first guest was John Matlack. I've had Edgardo Alfonso. I had um, Howie Rose was this week's guest. I have Glendon Rush coming up. I have Jerry Kuzman coming up. I have 
you know, uh, Scott Rogowski, who's a comedian, but a huge Mets fan. So, um, you know, I, I really just wanted to have something where I could to talk baseball, um, talk about a specific aspect. Like I said, Matt, like I spoke about the, the, the all-star game in which he was the co-MVP. Uh, Alfonso, I talked about the 99 uh, playoff game against uh, Arizona where he hit uh, the big grand slam to help the, the Mets win. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far, and uh, it, it keeps me talking baseball during a time where we're, we're kind of all starved for baseball. Right, and and I think that's part of the interesting thing about the show is that you uh, bring in these different guests, and it is specific moments. You've you've also had on uh, Jeff Bloom and uh, John Lieber, and uh, you even had on Greg Brady was on the show. Barry Williams was on the show with you talking about uh, when Wes Parker made an appearance on the Brady Bunch. So. Um, how did you make all of these connections? I mean, you got connections all over the place here. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, life life is about a series of connections, and right. uh, as you as you were kind enough to mention, you know, I I've written four books so far, working on a fifth right now, and you know, you just build up connections uh, over the years, and and uh, uh, I certainly have been fortunate that I have uh, you know friends and colleagues who who do similar things to me and have helped me out with with some contacts and it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a brotherhood of sorts of uh, you and I were just talking about, you know, how you know, different people we would like to have on. Right. And uh, yeah, Greg Brady was a fun one talking about West Parker. I have uh, one coming up with Fred Stoller, who is an actor who's been on Seinfeld and everybody loves Raymond and grew up a big Mets fan. Um, so, uh, you know, I try to try to keep it varied, I, but like I said, you, you mentioned I had Lieber and, and Bloom and uh, Frank Catalanato, who is a, a Long Island native. I have Meredith Morakovitz coming up, who is the Yankees clubhouse uh, reporter. Um, I had Marty Appel, who is a Yankees historian, of course. So I'm just trying to have some fun with it. Um, and, uh, the, you know, I, I really try – no episode has been more than nine minutes, and that's been the longest one. I try to keep them around between five and seven minutes because I want them to be easy to, easy to digest and, and just kind of be quick hits and – you know, and as you mentioned, and I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, I, I uh, in addition to having the, the main interview, I have a couple other little fun features that I like to uh, to throw in there, including one with my dad. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. And and I have enough guests at this point, either booked or or, or um, interviewed already to take me through the end of August. So uh, I release it once a week, every Friday morning. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's the way to do it, boy. Get that uh, get that backlog going, <laughs> so you don't feel the pressure. Uh, you do have some great segments on it. I mean, you mentioned the the one with your dad, and of course, that's that's one of my favorite segments. Your father's hilarious in it, and uh, he he's just terrific. Uh, he told a great story today about uh, the one I listened to uh, before with Howie Rose. Uh, uh, about uh, scaring the heck out of you at uh, uh, in Seattle, I think it was, if I recall correctly. Phoenix, 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 Phoenix. Oh, uh, but it's great because um, uh, you know, baseball is is a thing. Is it, it's really a lot about uh, dads and and kids and and uh, you know, it brings back a lot of memories for me. My folks are both gone, but, uh, you know, it, it brings back a lot of fun memories of me talking with my dad about baseball and, and, uh, you know, in life and everything. And, and 
I remember how excited I was when uh, I, I started working and I bought uh, season tickets, partial season tickets, and I was able to take my dad to a game. It was like a big thrill for me to be able to take him to a game, you know, to pay him back, if you will, for all those years that he, he took me to baseball games. So uh, it really is. It's, it's, it's kind of a touching and it's very entertaining because your father's just terrific. Well, well, thank you. Of course, uh, I have a, uh, I have a great relationship with my father in general, and the connection we have with baseball, and, and more specifically with Mets baseball, um, is a big part of why uh, I have such a love for the game and a love for the team. And you know, when I decided I was going to do this this venture, um, you know, I knew he had to be a part of it, and I wasn't sure exactly how. And and although he has done a great job, you know, and I've said this in other places, you know, one of the reasons. I wanted to do it is because there's no one that has a worse memory than my father. So to be able to call something that he does Mel's memories is, is, was kind of like tongue in cheek. And, um, but he's done a great job, you know, remembering all these things from his childhood. And, uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun. He, he likes to start a lot of them with, uh, well, you probably can't use this, but, and that's when I know it's going to be a good one because, uh, Luckily, he has no idea what's going to be a good one and what's a, what's a bad one. And and uh, the other great thing about my dad is he's never really asked me why I'm I'm asking him things. He just goes along for the ride. And um, as you said last week, his, the ride was up a pedestrian bridge at, at uh, Phoenix Municipal Stadium when the Phoenix Firebirds used to play there. And uh, I was about 14 or 15 at the time, and he was literally driving on a pedestrian bridge. Um, and, uh, and And that's, you know, so, so, and I, you know, that, that was one of the few memories that actually involved me. Uh, most of them are from his childhood and uh, going to Yankee stadium and the polo grounds and even uh, Connie Mack stadium once. So uh, yeah, having him be a part of this is, uh, is, is great. And uh, you're not the first one to tell me that you love the Mel's memory <laughs> segment. It's uh, he texted me the other day and said uh, that he's getting, he's getting uh, a little famous from this. So, uh, he can't leave the house, so unfortunately, the groupies have to just text him. <laughs> well, it, it, it is terrific, and uh, you know the best part is too. You have these memories now on on on. Uh, I want to say on videotape, but I mean it's not. It's all digital now, but you, you have these memories now forever. You know, and uh, that's a terrific thing. A uh, hundred years ago, maybe somebody will discover your show on, on YouTube and they'll be your dad's memories still going strong. Or you'll have uh, his great, great, great grandchildren will be watching it on YouTube and, and, and you as well. So uh, how great will that be? You also have a, a big fan uh, appreciation for Itzhak Perlman and you, you have a section there on your show about waiting for Perlman, a big baseball fan. I, I do, and um, you know, I think you, I, I know you watched this this week's episode with with Howie, and it's when we finally said goodbye to the Itzhak Perlman segment. <laughs> but I did have it going for for eight weeks. I know it's you have to pour a little out for for the segment, uh, but uh, you know, he kept it, he kept me waiting for eight weeks. I had to move along, but the the origins of that were that um, you know uh, you probably noticed that each week uh, my my BT Talks Baseball starts with a version of take me out to the ball game played on the cello by my very good friend, Elizabeth Glennon. And 
Um, she's just a phenomenal uh, cello player and a, a teacher. And I, I wanted to be a little different. And I, how many how many podcasts have their own cellist? So uh, you know, I was <laughs> I, I like that whole idea. So I've also been an admirer of Itzhak Perlman forever. I was supposed to see him for the first time in April, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. I wanted him to somehow be a part of this podcast, uh, at least for a while. And I based Waiting for Perlman on the Christopher Guest movie, Waiting for Guffman, which um, was a movie, it's kind of a mockumentary, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the genre is, but it's a comedy about uh, people in a small town putting on a, a play, waiting for this famous Broadway producer, Mort Guffman, to show up. So the movie's called Waiting for Guffman. He, he of course, never shows, not unlike Itzhak, I don't want to, spoiler <laughs> alert, but he hasn't shown up yet. Um, but, it, you know, I had a lot of fun with it over seven weeks and uh, enlisted some help with from uh, a friend of mine who also was a Yitzhak Perlman admirer. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where people were telling me, you know, it's probably better off if he doesn't come because once he shows up, you won't be waiting for him anymore. Uh, but uh, I would have taken that. But uh, I, I got somewhat close to him uh, as far as uh, people who he, who might have known him and might have been able to help. But it wasn't meant to be. And uh, so after seven or eight weeks of waiting for Perlman, I've, I'm still, I'm still waiting, but the, the podcast has moved along. Well, maybe he'll still show up. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and you talked about a new segment that, uh, you're going to incorporate and you, you mentioned it in the show. So I guess we could talk about it here. Uh, yep. why don't you t- tell us a little bit what you have in mind? Yeah, so the new segment, uh, which to replace Waiting for Perlman, is going to be called um, There Used to Be a Ballpark. And it's based on uh, Frank Sinatra has a song uh, called There Used to Be a Ballpark. It's actually a really, for baseball fans, it's a, one of those great songs. A lot of people think it's about Ebbets Field. I believe it's about the polo grounds, actually, uh, I read more recently. Um, and so each week, I'm going to talk about a, a stadium that's no longer with us, whether it's, you know, one of the stadiums in New York, you know, Shea Stadium, Ebbets Field, original Yankee Stadium, Polo Grounds, uh, Comiskey Park, Sportsman's Park, uh, Connie Mack Stadium. And uh, what I'm going to try to do, at least for the first four or five weeks, is tie this segment into Mel's memories because my dad's been to a lot of ballparks. So uh, I will tell you that uh, for the, this week coming up, uh, I feature a, a small minor league park from the Pacific Coast League from the 50s before the Dodgers moved out to uh, from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. And my dad actually attended a game there when he was a, a child. So, wow. um, you know, we'll talk about, like I said, old Yankee Stadium and and uh, and Polo Grounds. And, and he's been to Connie Mack Stadium. So uh, I'm really going to try to talk a little bit about the stadium, a little bit of a factual nugget, um, and then have his memory – also be tied in so that the second half of the show will kind of be uh, a, a little bit of cohesive unit. Sounds great. I can't wait to, to listen to the next, next episode. Thank you. As always. And, and it drops every Friday, right? That's when yep. you release them. Every I do. Friday. I really, it, it drops every Friday morning, usually around nine 30. Um, and uh, it, it gets released on YouTube and then promoted on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, any other way, I could yell out the window for people to go watch it. <laughs> BT and talks everything. baseball, and it, it's it's uh, you know it's a tough year, even with the uh, guys releasing books and stuff now because uh, you can't do book signings. Uh, I've been to a couple of yours, and and uh, uh, it's it's it's. Uh, 
the medium is better for you this time uh, because it is a video and people can watch that in their home. Uh, but guys dropping books now, it's just, uh, it's really tough. I feel bad for him. Uh, I know Mark Healy had a book come out, a uh, terrific book, Gotham Baseball, and uh, uh, terrific uh, Brian Wright, who's always great, was on this show. He's got a book that uh, came out, and we hope you all go buy them. But it's a, it's a tough time for all baseball fans, and uh, even podcasters. I, I noticed that some numbers have dropped. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, I'm 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 too new, and I I don't really have that many <laughs> well, numbers. So, uh, uh, but I will say, you know, just to address what you're saying about the the, the authors uh, and and Mark and Brian specifically, because I, I I happen to to know of their books very well. Um, you know, it's it, it's a shame because having written these books myself, uh, and I know you put literally sweat and tears, and and maybe figuratively some blood in it too. So you have the blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and you, it's a project that lives with you for for not months, but sometimes uh, years. And you know, to finally have the book ready to drop, and this happen, and kind of listen. There are certainly worse things with this pandemic than not being able to release your book. I'm sure those those gentlemen will agree with that as well. Oh. However, if we're just talking about it on a baseball book, you know, level, and we're not yeah. comparing it to, you know, uh, the terrible loss of life and the people get sick and all and the right. jobs right. and all that terrible thing, because I consider myself uh, extremely fortunate, and I'm sure those guys do as well. But it stinks, you know, because you work really hard on a book or um, like. Okay, if people don't watch my podcast on Friday morning or, or throughout the week, um, I'll live. You know, you'll live if people don't watch your podcast. But, mm. you know, I don't think either of them, you know, Brian or, or, or Mark or any of the authors that have books uh, out now, you know, wrote those books to make a million dollars because it's, it's really hard to make a million dollars writing books about the Mets uh, or baseball. <laughs> but you do like to have that little bit of a, you know, the release and the, and the debut and the, and the, and the, the signings that you mentioned. I mean, some of my greatest nights were the book signings I had at book review or turn of the corkscrew, which is no longer with us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, even some of the other stores or, you know, even if you're in a library and you do it or a restaurant, you do it a book. It's just, it's a way that people can, can really appreciate the hard work you put in and, and to have that taken away. It's, it's, it's a shame. My hope is that, Places will consider having them, you know, next baseball season because, um, you know, each of their books have have what I like to call legs, as I as I hope my books do as well. You know, it doesn't really make a difference when they come out. They're they're historical baseball books about topics that people talk about every day. We're talking about New York baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the summer of 2021 is not going to be a whole lot different for from a baseball. No, nothing they wrote about is going to change. So. You know, I, I hope they, they do get their day and uh, um, it is a shame. And, and it's just one of the, uh, you know, one of the baseball casualties that we're we're dealing with. And I don't think, you know, people don't realize and, and uh, I've learned from talking to getting to know you and Greg Prince and uh, and Brian Wright and uh, some of these authors that uh, it's not like. It's it's a little different for you guys. You've got to do a lot of the own, your own publicity. You've got to do a lot of the even a lot of the selling of the book. Uh, you have to do, 
and uh, it's not easy. You know, it's it's not like uh, I hate to say, or like a Ron Darling or something, but Ron Darling's getting an advance. Ron Darling's got a, a big. Uh, publicity machine behind him helping him getting these dates and stuff and and you you guys are literally out there by yourself calling up bookstores trying to hey you know can you uh can i do a book signing here for the most part i'm sure that the book company does some for you but uh, i think people should realize that and and these are terrific books and they do fill a need right now uh, it, it, you know, any of Brett's books are terrific. Uh, one of my favorites is when Shay was, uh, home and, uh, um, uh, the, uh, Philadelphia athletic book, simply, simply the best, that's simply the best. Yep, that's right. That's right. I want to get it right. And I want to be wrong. <laughs> so that's, that's my so. first one. No one, ever, no one ever talks about that one. <laughs> Well, that was a, it's a terrific book. Uh, I I just love the history of baseball and and uh, all of those twenties uh, and thirties and and all of that. Because uh, again, my mother used to talk uh, uh, about she was a big New York Giant fan, so uh, she had uh, you know uh, Bill Terry and Mel Ott, and uh, even though she had her picture taken with Babe Ruth, which is a story that that I've told a million times. Uh, if you ever need a story for your show, I'll, I'll be glad to go. On there we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's talk about your other endeavors that you're getting into. You, you're going all over the place here, Brett. Uh, BT five media. Tell us about that. Yeah. Wow. You're really touching all the bases, uh, pun intended. Um, so, <laughs> so BT five media is a, a multimedia company that I, I formed here on Long Island. Um, and when I say a multimedia company, it was, it was me and a couple of cameras. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, one of the things I do, um, in, in real life is, uh, I, I produce videos and, and photo montages and I'm a photographer in addition to uh, being a writer. So, um, you know, the thought was that I would, uh, do create, um, highlight reels for, for, uh, young athletes and, uh, whether it's. You know, I started with volleyball and moved to lacrosse, and unfortunately, this this all started. Uh, the The pandemic happened and kind of shut uh, sports down as I was just getting getting ramped up. And you know, hopefully, you know, there, I'm confident there will be a day that we could have sports again, hopefully very soon. Um, but you know, I, I and it's consistent with me as a writer and me doing BT Talks Baseball. Uh, I'm a storyteller in whatever the medium is that I'm I'm using. And I like to document things. And um, so whether I'm creating a, a sports highlight reel for somebody who wants to use it for recruiting for college or just a keepsake video for an eight-year-old kid playing lacrosse and his family wants to have something, you know, that basically looks professional. You know, I've been watching, uh, you know, last night was the conclusion of The Last Dance on ESPN. And, you know, you watch how all those NBA highlights are put together now with music and this and that. So. I kind of wanted to bring that to the to the youth athlete, and uh, so BT Five Media was born, and uh, kind of quickly put on pause. But you can find more about that. Uh, the good news is that you can get uh, if you go to uh, bttalksbaseball.com, which has all of my episodes of BT Talks Baseball. You can watch it right there. If you scroll to the bottom, there's a link to BT Five Media's website and a link to uh, topalmetsbook.com, which is all about all my books. Okay, so everything is right there in one spot, and uh, that's terrific. Makes it easy for the people. Now you're talking about books, 
And a little birdie uh, has told me, mainly it was you on uh, Baseball and Barbecue, my good buddies, Jeff and Len, uh, that there is a new book project uh, afoot. Can you talk a little bit about that? Do you realize that you just claimed that you heard breaking news on Jeff and Len's <laughs> podcast right now? They are figuring out what what I did to have their podcast be mentioned on your podcast. And this is going to change everything for them. They're going to take the <laughs> ribs off the grill. They're going to have to rethink this all now. They are so excited right now that you're quoting their podcast. Um, I, yeah, try to, I, I try to quote them every – I try to sneak them in every week because I, I just uh, – they're the best guys in the world. You know them. They're terrific guys. They do a great job on their podcast. And, uh, in fact, I was just – I was uh, on a future episode. Uh, they asked me to sit in an interview that they were doing with uh, a gentleman, and we, we had a blast doing it. And, and uh, they're just terrific. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're two great guys, two, two real baseball fans, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be on their podcast a couple times, including, including this week, actually, mm -hmm. um, which is what you heard. That's uh, right. I am working on a, a new book. Um, it, uh, I'm going to have to actually start working on it a little bit more now that people <laughs> are actually realize it's coming out. Um, it, it, it is set to be released, uh, hopefully still uh, uh, next opening day. Well, hopefully not. Not next opening day. Hopefully, we're going to have an opening day soon for this right. year. But opening day of, of 2021 in April, uh, if all goes well. And it is about um, – I've always been fascinated. You, well, you know me well enough to know I like to tell stories about Mets history. And uh, the, my last book, which came out in the summer of 2018, Miracle Moments in New York Mets History, told chronicled the 31 top moments in, uh, in, in team history. And I've always been fascinated by the whole um, – Mount Rushmore situation where you pick the four best of anything. But I also have always felt that it's a little bit unfair because the four people that I think might be the best Mets in history might not be the four people my father pick or my grandfather pick or my son pick. Mm -hmm. So I got the idea to do a Mount Rushmore by decade for the Mets. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick the who I feel is the four best Mets from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s and look ahead to the 2020s. Um, but there's also going to be some twists and turns along the way. And of course, that's a could be subjective. I don't think anybody's keeping Tom Seaver off their list uh, for the <laughs> 60s or the 70s. But, you know, some of it, some of it, uh, other choices can certainly be debated. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of good, uh, you know, one of the things about the Mets that's interesting is, uh, although they've had, uh, unfortunately, more bad years than good years, is that other than the 1990s, the Mets have been to the World Series in every single decade of their existence. Of course, 69, 73, 86, 2000, 2015. So there certainly is, is a significant amount of, of players in the pool to choose from. Some decades, the pool is deeper than the other others. Um, but uh, the book will also have twists and turns, of course, uh, as I tend to try to do. And it'll be, there'll be, um, you know, maybe the four trades that didn't work out uh, in each decade, the four uh, minor leaguers that were no-brainers that were brainers. Um, so I'm going to try to, you know, you know my style of writing. I try to write in a, a narrative uh, storytelling way um, and kind of set it in the time that we're talking about. Uh, and that's what I, I, I certainly did. You mentioned when Shea was home. You know, I talk, that's, that's about the 1975 season when, when all four teams, Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, shared Shea Stadium. But, you know, I try to mix in 
what's going on in pop culture and in, in politics and, and just life in general during that time. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do that uh, when I talk about each decade um, and, and, and how it kind of frames up with, uh, with the Mets. You know, uh, it, the 60s, for instance, I mean, it's not a secret that uh, for the most part I'm going to be talking about players that are from the latter part of the decade, although, you know, you got a guy uh, like Ed Cranepool who may or may not be on my Mount Rushmore in the 60s who played from 1962 to 1979. So, uh, you know, you never know. You'll have to wait and see. I, I laugh when you say Cranepool because uh, we had a pleasure spending an evening with him uh, at his house. So, so that would that would kind of push him onto the list. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, full disclosure, I've been back to the house since. Yeah. <laughs> put, put it this way, the cat knows me by now. <laughs> And I still can't get him on the show. He keeps saying, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but that's yeah, okay. He, uh, he I, I will say this about Ed, I will say this about Ed Cranepool. We talked a little bit about uh, John Matlack because he was my first guest uh, on the podcast. I have not had Ed Cranepool for the podcast, but um, Ed Cranepool is just one of the, the best guys around. And, you, you know, we spent, like you said, we spent an evening with him. And we actually mm-hmm. spent an evening with him um, before he received his kidney and he's, yes. he's doing so much, he's doing so much better and he's, mm-hmm. he's healthy and he's really like a new man. And that, that's so great. And, you know, people who, who are young Mets fans, uh, you know, and the reason that I, I, I try to keep writing the books and, and, and try to have some of these people on the podcast is guys like Cranepool and, and Matlack and Kuzman were not only really, really good players, but they, they're not as well known uh, by the people, you know, today. And I think that's a shame because, and, and well, what's also a shame is that, you know, guys like Matlack and Kuzman who are finally going to be honored, you know, Kuzman's number was set to be retired and Matlack right. was going to be in, in, inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. Both of those things long overdue. But I, I what excites me most about those things is that the, the young Met fans will get, it'll be brought to the front of how great, these people are. Everybody knows how great Tom Seaver was. There's no question. And he was. Right. And he deserves a, a statue and he deserves every accolade he gets. But some of these other players do too. And, and that's why I try to try to keep that alive. Yeah. Well said. Well said. John Matlack, uh, terrific guy. Uh, terrific pitcher, by the way, first off. But also just a nice human being. Uh, I had him on the show uh, about the same time as uh, you had him on your show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was just a, a, a joy uh, to talk to. And uh, he was stuck in Florida with the pandemic. We even got to talk about that <laughs> uh, because he was he was going to make a run up to New York. And I said to him off the air, I said, John, just stay down there. I mean, you know, at least you got the nicer weather at the time. The weather wasn't that great up here. Why come up here if you don't have to? Uh but uh, just a just a nice human being, and and it is a shame that that uh, people don't um, study the game enough. I don't think uh, it, it's just it's so full of history, and if you study the history, it just it's so enlightening, and and you learn so much more, and and it just makes you appreciate the game even more. You know, I keep saying uh, I've been trying to talk Eric Sherman into it or I'll try to talk you into it, but I'd love to see a book on the 73 Mets. They're like the forgotten team now. Um, Nobody writes about them. You know, everything was the 69 Mets. We have the 50th anniversary coming up in a couple of years of the 73 Mets. 
And I, I just think it would be a fascinating book to go back and, and I'm not a writer, so don't expect me to, to do it. <laughs> but I, uh, I, 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 I have a feeling that someone will do one. In fact, I was talking to somebody. I don't remember. I don't want to say names because I don't remember exactly who I was talking to, but someone was talking about doing a, a book on the 73 Mets. And like I said, I think I remember who it was, but I don't want to say it in case I'm wrong, but I agree. The 73 Mets uh, and Matlock's included in this group is, is one of the most underrated uh, teams, and you know, you know this. I'm talking to Matlack. He fully feels they should have won that World Series. I right, mean, and, right. and if you go back, and it's a very frustrating series to have lost. Um, but uh, but I agree with you on on about the Mets history. And if you go to uh, topelmetsbook.com, you can get a signed copy of any one of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and and our friend Ed Cranepool thinks they should have won too. He was pretty adamant about. Uh, well, who should have pitched game six? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting about Ed Cranepole, just for a second, is, you know, when you and I sat with Ed Cranepole, and, and I don't know, is it going back two years? Is it, is I think it so, years? yeah. It's getting... So if you remember at the time, he his relationship with, with the Mets was not that great, and we, right. weren't, we weren't speaking that fondly about the Mets. And, and I'm so thankful that his relationship has been uh, repaired with the Mets also. You know, he's been – at the stadium a lot uh, over the past, you know, last year he certainly was, he was at down in spring training and um, he and I talked a lot uh, most recently when we were together about the conversations he had with, with Pete Alonzo. And um, he's, I will say this about Matlack and Cranepool. They know exactly what's going on with the 2020 Mets. I mean, they know exactly oh, yeah. what's going on. So Baseball never leaves these guys, so I think it's important that that uh, that we never leave them either. That you know, I, they are still as maybe not as invested today as when they were playing, certainly. But uh, and the game is very different. But it's also still sixty feet six inches from pitcher to catcher and ninety feet between bases. So um, I think it's important uh, as we as we've kind of established here in the last few minutes uh, that that those guys be uh, not only remembered but really uh, celebrated. Yes. Uh, gut feeling. Are we going to have baseball this season? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I think uh, my gut feeling is yes. Uh, I don't exactly know what it will, would look like. I've, I've, I've heard bits and pieces from the 67-page um, report, as I'm sure you have. I haven't actually seen it. Um, there's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of differences. I do like the fact that, um, although I w- would be happy to watch baseball anywhere it's played, and actually found myself watching a little of the Korean league the other day. Um, and there's a, there's a guy on one of the teams named, I think, I don't remember his first name. His last name is Romero. So he didn't sound very, he didn't sound Korean, but he was Mexican actually. Um, but uh, I do like the fact that they're now talking about playing in their home ballparks. I think that's, uh, even if fans can't be there, I do think there's something to be said. Certainly if they're playing in an empty city, city field, it's hard to say there's a sense of normalcy, but I think that would be, uh, a little bit, I would prefer to that than to see them playing in their spring training facility in, in Port St. Lucie. However, like I said, I, I'll be happy to watch baseball regardless of where they are playing it. Um, and gut feeling is that things change so much every day. It's We're still in, in May, and I don't know what's going to happen in June and as we get into July. So I, I really do hope that we see baseball because I think as long as it doesn't endanger anybody, um, you know, I, I hate, I hate to hear any time that stuff is about money, although it's, it's not my money. So I'm not going to get involved with that, but, um, I'm hopeful. 
All right. All right. We, we've uh, frozen up a little bit here, Brett. So, you got me now? Yeah, I got you back now. I'm back. Okay. Little glitch there, but uh, uh, yeah, I hope we see something this year. Um, I, I I get pessimistic by the day, and uh, I almost it almost seems that that they may have been better off not not having it at all because if they if they don't have it at this point, I think it's going to leave a lot of bad taste in fans' mouth, especially if it's if it's the money issue again. Uh, I think people are going to really you know uh, Blake Snell is really having a rough time with fans now. Because people really don't like what he said about the money, uh, the health thing is a different story. But if enough precautions is taking place, and and I don't know, it's it, it's up to these guys. But it's just it's a tough situation, and you almost wonder if they would have been better off just canceling it and and go for next year and see. But I understand why they want to try to play, and you know. Yeah, and, and to to your point, you know, they've gotten to the point now where they've made it clear that there is a plan, right? So now right. if they don't play, it's going to do more damage than if they just said, listen, we can't do it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, for, for very different circumstances, obviously, but 1981 was a very different uh, season as far as uh, amount of games. If, if they can play 81 baseball games and don't have to have a stoppage, I mean, I think that would be the worst scenario. Well, that's not the worst scenario, but it would be a – from a baseball point of view, it would be a bad scenario if they right. start and then have to stop because guys start um, testing positive and they feel that it's a, a health issue. Um, that would almost be a, a giant step backward, obviously, um, because it's it's probably naive to think that no one's going to get it, right? I mean, it's just a right. matter of, you know, of what happens. Um, but it's, it, taking it away from the, the pandemic conversation and just having it as a pure baseball conversation, I think that it would be great for people to have that outlet to watch it on television um, when so many other things won't be available to us. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, it's going to be a problem if it becomes a money issue. It's, I don't think it'll ever be a problem if it's a safety issue because the problem with Blake Snell was he kind of said both in the same sentence. And that was what probably got him in trouble. If he would have just said, um, I just don't feel safe playing. Well, exactly. you, you can't say I don't feel safe playing, but if you pay me my full salary, I will pay, feel be safe playing. Just <laughs> yeah, getting more money doesn't make you safer. Um, so I'm not sure. I think that's what got him in trouble more than actually, uh, you know, anything else. So he kind of double talked and uh, just proves that you could be playing a video game and someone's always recording what you're saying. <laughs> you got to be so careful. So uh, give us a rundown again uh, where people can get a hold of uh, your books and, and uh, YouTube, of course, BT Talks Baseball. Just tell us everything again. Yeah, I appreciate that. The The easiest way to get everything that, that I'm <laughs> involved with is to go to uh, uh, bttalksbaseball.com. And uh, you can see uh, all eight episodes of BT Talks Baseball. You just click. You can watch them right on my website. Uh, and if you scroll down to the bottom, toward the bottom of the website, uh, it links directly to uh, my books uh, website where all my uh, books are. And you can actually, if you send me a message through my books website, um, I'm happy to, to send uh, signed copies uh, to anybody who would like them of, of all uh, three of my Mets books. Uh, and also, if, it's, if you're so inclined to, also at the bottom of that page is a link to BT5 Media, which... You know, I do photos, photo montages, and uh, and and sports highlight reels. Once it's uh, once it's uh, once again 
once it's allowed to, uh, t- those things are allowed to be taking place again. So uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk about all that stuff. It's uh, you, you do a great job, Gary, at, at everything you do. And, um, you know, I know Mets Musings is very important to Mets fans, and I'm, I'm glad you're continuing and thriving. Well, thank you so much. It's also, uh, I just realized it myself that this is a special episode because it's the 400th episode wow, of Mets see. Musings. So it's sort of an anniversary uh, thing. Well, congr- congratulations uh, to that. I've, I've done eight, and you've done 400. <laughs> <laughs> That's why your beard is grayer than mine, I That's think. Right. That's right. <laughs> and my, my um, knees are a little worse shaped than yours. Well, listen, congratulations on 400. <laughs> that, is, that is no small thing. Does that include golf as well, or that's just Mets Musings? No, that's just Mets Musings, 400 wow. of, uh, of uh, Mets Musings. Yeah. Well, I salute, you. I salute you for that because you've, sp- you've had to speak baseball 400 times about the Mets. and. <laughs> I've come up with eight topics so far, and, and, and I'm good through the end of August, but I can promise you, well, I shouldn't make this promise, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to get to 400, but, um, <laughs> but congratulations. It's, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on the 400th episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on, Brett. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Gary Mack, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, it wouldn't be an anniversary show unless I had the uh, – uh, guys on from baseball and barbecue who join me every now and then, along with my former co-host Barry Newman, who couldn't be here tonight because he's uh, uh, got a little dental problem. He doesn't have COVID, so don't worry, folks. He's fine. Just got a little dental issue, and we'll be hearing from him a little when we get the done here. But I had to have the boys on because that's what makes it a celebration, guys. Welcome to the 400th episode of Mets Musings. Woo-hoo! All right, yeah. Way to go, Gary. <laughs> 400. I, I I don't know if that's the kind of thing you can, you know, put on your tombstone. I was on the 400th episode of Mets Musings. But, but it's always a pleasure to have you guys on. And uh, especially now, it seems like we're making some sort of progress towards the upcoming season. Yeah, Gary, I, just, I, I, I don't. Uh, I'm still pessimistic. Uh, I just don't see this. And I'm working it out, and every and I just get nervous every time the players and owners get the uh, you know negotiations, and they do it through the press. You know, just don't do it through the press. Keep it private. Don't get everybody upset. Uh, this one wants this. This one wants that. Yeah. You know, guys, get in a room, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, before I, before I, I can't even follow that up, but uh, before I get started on that, I just want to say two things. One, in honor of your 400th, we brought virtual ribs. <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, you say, you know, well, don't worry, folks, it's not COVID. It's nowadays, it's like, well, you know, they're dead, but it wasn't COVID. They didn't <laughs> yeah. die from COVID. Oh, that's great. <laughs> they lost a leg, but it wasn't from COVID. <laughs> well, you know, but some states are doing the opposite. He got hit by a car. We right. smashed it to little pieces. Oh, but he had the COVID, so we'll put it down as a COVID death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, I... I <laughs> You know what? 
it's uh you got governors saying please play ball right come play sports in our state we want you to play um but this whole thing about not playing in front of fans it's in, in front of empty stadiums um like jeff likes to joke it'll be like uh everybody's playing in uh, marlin stadium um <laughs> you know but but of course as met fans there were plenty of years where we had uh lean years where you know every fan in attendance had their own vendor so <laughs> you know but i do not i i also am, a, am pessimistic i want to be optimistic believe me i want to be optimistic but as we get deeper and deeper into this i don't know it just you know you got players that don't want to you know they don't want to take less money and then I really, you know, Gary and, and Len, I, you, you, you read the papers, you read, you hear the news, you know, people with uh, conditions or whatever, but the people with the least amount of, I guess, chance to get it or, or get it. And, and, and those definitely five are, you know, young athletes who, you know, they're, they're going to, if they get it, it's, uh, it's very minuscule that they're going to really suffer any, you know, really help, really long-term health effects. I mean, they're probably the least people to worry about. Right. That's true. And, and I think the only concern that they have is taking it back to their family and to their parents and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I'm pessimistic, but then I read an article today and it, it says that uh, they seem to be making progress. And one of the guys talking was Austin Hedges of the San Diego Padres. And he says this, progress being made uh and he seems to think they're gonna play so i don't it's you know it's like you say though it's getting um uh, I, I i just think and i said this before that it's it there's a bad taste going to be left in people's mouth either way i think at this point uh and i think uh the mistake with with, with blake snell and like look he can decide what he wants to decide he can think what he wants to think he can say what he wants to say but there's consequences to that. And I, I think I said on last week's show that, uh, or maybe in earlier uh, this week's show, I might have said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's what he has a union for. Let the union argue the point. And, and you just keep your mouth shut because it just gets you into trouble. That's all it does. And I think... What's happening now is I also read another article where they uh, are starting to feel like they're being uh, there's a lot of pressure on the players that I guess the fans are starting, you know, on, on uh, they're all on Twitter now. So they see what people are writing and uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure putting on them to play. And this money thing, you know, it that could push them um to play it and and hedges did go on to say that he thinks that what they should think about forget this uh, the players should forget monetarily just forget this year go out and play it'll be better for uh, next year and the future and he's kind of right there if if they just suck it up money wise this year and and you know, it'll be better in the long run for everybody. And, and, uh, 
I, I think he's on to something there, but can he convince enough players is another thing. Well, if you know, a lot of those players like the Blake Snell, they really got to keep their mouths shut. Because I saw on an article today that the uh, Angels are going to start furloughing their employees at uh, the beginning of June. I mean, how can you, you got a guy, uh, you know, Pujols and Otani and, and uh, uh, who's the guy from Washington that went out there? I forgot his name, but. Uh, Rendon. Rendon, the guy who killed us, right. Uh, you know, they're making a lot of money, yet the, the employees, the, the, the poor people in the office, they're getting furloughed. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, what kind of look is that? Well, and that's, that's the whole thing. It, it's all the optics, if you will. That just doesn't make them look good, uh, the Players Association, because, you know, uh, as you said, with Snell, it doesn't make him look good at all. Now, he's making some money on Twitch, apparently, so maybe he don't really care, you know. I uh, still can't see how you would turn away even if you if you end up making a million and a half this year. Uh, you know, it adds up, a million and a half here, a million and a half there. After a while, you get a couple of bucks in your pocket. Um, you know, if we were younger, I'm sure we'd go, uh, I'll play for 500,000. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> no, I, but I understand what they're saying. Look, the, the owners made a lot of money and, you know, they've made profits in prior years. You can use the pro- some of those profits to f- go forward. But to say that, oh, the franchise is worth a billion dollars now, you know, as an accountant, that's, that's, that's great value wise, but it's not cash. I no, mean, it only happens when you sell it. That's right. So, it, it, you know, it, they don't have that cash poor. And it's all on paper. Income. Yeah. I mean, you need revenue to, to to pay your expenses. Revenue does come from, obviously, the TV, which is the, the biggest part. But you have the, the uh, ticket sales, concessions, signage, parking, merchandise. All that adds up. And, and that, that's not going to be there with no fans. Right. Len, thoughts? You know, it's funny. We all, what is it we always say? Oh, I would play for nothing or just pay me the minimum or, you know, and, but until we're in that position, um, it, it is bad optics, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I just read that the, uh, that the baseball, the Mets are increasing parking uh, next, uh, parking prices next year. It's going to cost you $1,000 to park your car because they got to make up for the price. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Carrie. This is, I mean, we, this is going in circles and, you know, um, it is bad optics. The players should play. Um, of course, you know, they, it, it, this is one time, this is one time where, you know, you, you kind of can't side with the play. I mean, well, you can, but I don't side with the players. There's a lot of people, like Jeff said, He's he's absolutely right. You know, the forget that you, you, the the people in the offices and the and the vendors and the people that work the parking lots and all that. They and what about all the areas around? Well, you, you're not going to get that. You know, the restaurants and all that. Because well, they're closed. <laughs> yeah, you don't have fans. But there's a lot of people affected by this, and I think the players they've got to they got to play. They really do. I mean, if they make it a million or whatever, come on, guys. That's well. That's the thing. It 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 again. It, it they look bad. They look yeah, bad they really when, when people are on uh, food banks and and everything else. Mm-hmm. And and that, you know, 
they are turning down, uh, you know, in Snell's case, maybe it's uh, a, a quarter of his salary, which would have been $7.6 million. So he's going to get $1 million or whatever. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, and some guys are end up going to get uh, $10 million. Uh, Hop is going to, what would he make? Uh, he's not going to be hurting. And, you know, I, I, I just think they have to suck it up because, and again, when people say, well, the owners are making money too, but the owners are the ones, you know, the owners put up millions of dollars to buy a franchise. So yep. they they took the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it cracks me up too when the politicians say, let's tax the, the corporations and all of this. Well, but those corporations put up their money in the beginning. Uh, okay, maybe now it's it's a big corporation and there's a lot of different, you know, uh, it, it's on the stock market and all that. But originally, there was a, a Ford, a Henry Ford, that put in money, uh, and and a Louis Chevrolet that that put in money, and a uh, you know, a, a Clarence Birdseye that that put their money in to start that company. Now, whether it got bigger and grown, but that's not the the point. The point is that. There was somebody that owns that company, and they put that money in. And uh, you know, we can't punish them for working hard and becoming ultra rich. Same thing. Once we hate the will punch, you can't punish them for working hard and and you know putting in the team and then buying it from Double Day. This is the way it went. No, you punish them for bad decisions. Well, yeah, you can criticize them for that. Well, everything baseball, but as far as the business side of it, uh, you know, uh, as money goes in this situation, um, they don't, the owners don't feel like the players are going to play a whole season. Why should they get paid full salary? I kind of agree with them. And I, and I agree that I still don't understand why they get a full year of time. I think that should all be frozen. Now you can't, if they play, you have to give them a full year. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't have free agents playing until next June and then say, okay, now I'm a free agent. <laughs> no, you can't give them a half, a, half a year credit. Uh, but uh, I don't think that ruling that they made helped anybody because uh, uh, a guy like Rick Porcello, He's not able to show off his stuff unless he pitches. Michael Walker, same deal. Uh, Mookie Betts is going to get his money anyway, probably. But, uh, you know, and then and what did the Dodgers make a trade for Mookie Betts? They give up players, and then if there's no season, they get nothing in return. It doesn't seem right. Uh, something should be, the, the, you know, the, the, the Red Sox should have to send back one of the prospects or whatever uh, to make it right. I, I think to make it fair, but that's probably not going to happen. They're going to say they took a chance and it didn't pan out. Well, um, it, it's a, it's a weird year. Uh, let, let me address the, uh, that 50, 50 revenue split proposal. Cause I heard that, you know, the money that the TV networks would give is really, it's based on playoffs. You know, that that's mm-hmm. where they get the money. Now, if they play and there's a second wave of this thing and they have to stop, you know, the owners really get screwed if they don't uh, – if when they play the players and they don't get paid because there's no playoffs. Right. So that's why they proposed that 50-50 split and the union or the players association, they might be just short-sighted and say, listen, we just want to get – we don't want money, that's it. You know, they got to look at the, the, 
the greater good. And and the long term of it all. Uh and you know, one of the other things that was brought up is a sixty seven page document that came out and um uh, but it's pretty thorough and, and they cover the health ex- aspects of it. Uh, it's a little crazy. What are you, your thoughts on that? Len? No, I'm going to skip to you because I didn't, I honestly haven't even seen it. So Okay. I, I, I read part, whatever was in the uh, newspaper. Obviously, I not, did not read the whole thing. But from what I heard and what I read, it seems like a little, uh, you know, overkill. Uh, it's like a CYA cover your, you know, butt <laughs> because in this uh, Sue happy society, you know, they, they just got to cover all their bases. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, really uh, ridiculous. Maybe, you know, the older people on the field managers, they, maybe they should go up to the, uh, like, like, uh, in football, go up uh, to the press box and manage from there. You know, they can call down and make a pitching change. You know, keep them safe. You know, you worry about the umpires, especially the older ones, uh, and they have more health risk than anybody else. But some of these things, you can't, uh, you know, high five somebody, or you, know, you can't, you can't be near somebody, you can't hold somebody on first base. You know, once that pitch is thrown by the pitcher, what are you going to do? It, it gets thrown around, and you know, you can't use a new ball. I guess you can use a new ball every every pitch. The way they go through that. Can you imagine what? Yeah. Uh, can you imagine a neighborhood play? You know, he was he was six feet away. He's out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one other thing. Do they uh? Do they outlaw crotch grabbing? I mean, everything else is outlawed. <laughs> I hope I can say that on this on your podcast. Yeah. You can bleep me out. <laughs> Spitting, you can't. You can't spit. <laughs> it's. I think you could say crotch grabbing. Okay, well, we did. So. <laughs> well, anyway, they, they want they you can't take a shower at the Paul Park. You have to get on a bus to go back home or something. <laughs> what is that? That's a sm- smelly thing. That's what it is. <laughs> oh well. Well, sounds Gary, like a very I interesting want, I want to ask Gary. I want to ask Gary. Give, give us your highlights of, of four hundred. What's your uh, highlights? Ooh, I, I tell you, there's 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 a few. Um, I I think for no particular reason, one of my favorite episodes was the. Uh, I I'd have to say the Art Shamsky interview. I I think that was one of my favorites because it really it was one of the most. I it's, it might sound a little silly, but it was one of the most emotional for me. Um, only because that book really hit home for me. As I've said numerous times, that's, I think, our generation's Boys of Summer. And uh, it it just really uh, is, is something that uh, really hit home, you know. And um, I, I think that's really uh, my favorite interview. Uh, another favorite interview was really Craig Swan. Um, because it was early on once, uh, you know, we, we, uh, as uh, you know, um, we started as, uh, with Barry was my co-host and we did, I think 96 to, uh, 98 episodes together. And then, uh, Barry had to leave and, and, um, 
I decided to continue on and, and, uh, you know, uh, decided to go to more interviews and things like that. Um, and, and Craig Swan was one of the first ones that I got. I think Ed Hearn might, might've been even the first one, but Craig Swan was very interesting and, and, uh, it was fun. And, uh, so that, that was an important, you know, it's just, I, I've been so fortunate doing this show that to meet people like yourselves and, and, uh, you know, to, to talk to Ron Darling, I would have never gotten to talk to Ron Darling unless it was, you know, like a book signing that we went to and you say, hello, uh, love your work, blah, blah, blah. And then you leave, you know, and, and to actually interview him and, and Ron Swoboda and, and, uh, Archansky and, and Wayne Randazzo, and then to have met person people uh, like you and Len and and uh, Brett Tapel and and Greg Prince and uh, all of these people that that now Eric Sherman who have become um, you know acquaintances and friends. It's it's um, it's really kind of a humbling thing in a way, and it's really been a blast and. I, you know, to pick one particular moment is very difficult. But that was an awesome question, Jeff. That <laughs> was a great question. <laughs> you have you have come so far. <laughs> which which makes me then think four hundred episodes. So we're looking at what eight years ago? Uh, ten. We actually started ten. Uh, ten years ago, and because we do take some time off when you know and. Um, we used to take more time off, I think in the winter and now I'm trying to, you know, uh, not take as much time off, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's 10, it was 10 years. I think April, well, well, Barry says April 1st, so I'll go with that. April fool's day, huh? April fool's day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and somewhere I have the opening and it's not much different from the opening now, <laughs> but it's a little bit different, but, um, it really, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago and it's really, uh, cause it's like me, I guess, uh, opening it up and, and I'm saying hello and welcome to a new podcast. <laughs> you know? Um, it's very raw and very, uh, uh, not good, but uh, we did some good stuff, though. We had some great conversations and uh, had a lot of fun together. And, and uh, you know, so glad that we did. And uh, he's still around, like, thank God, and, and can contribute now and then. And it's fun. And uh, But the, the show's been a blast. And I, and I was fortunate that, uh, you know, I was nervous when, when uh, he left because I didn't know whether – uh, it would last at all with uh, just one person and, and uh, you know, trying to get guests and, and who was I going to get as guests? And, and uh, fortunately uh, it, it, it seemed to work and people liked it and the numbers were always good and, and uh, not good. They continue to, to, to go up hopefully. And, and uh, I'd like to keep doing it, uh, you know, at least another year or two. Hey, Len, Len, I got a question for you. Who was the first to get Pete Alonzo? <laughs> Who was number one? I'm, wait, I'd like to answer that in, in, a, way that, in a way that I, I love to say. 
Gary <laughs> well uh yeah that was the stroke of luck getting pete alonzo on nobody knew him at that time but uh, can't get him on now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we we've tried <laughs> he actually i saw something that while he was uh you know quarantining he was doing more barbecuing so I thought, wow, that's perfect for us. Anytime yeah. somebody mentions barbecue, good. But uh, yeah, we could, we, we, you know, we're still trying. So, Pete, if you're listening yep. to this, and I know you are, <laughs> get in touch with us. You know, but Gary, there's two things. The the first is you mentioned when when Barry left, it definitely has to be more difficult doing it by yourself because. Doing it with somebody else, you know, with Jeff and with the two of us, whether it's booking a guest, editing the show, you know, we, 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 we send, we like to send, you know, notes for our guests and, um, or, uh, you know, just whatever it is and, and keeping on schedule, you know, you, oh, I could do, it's kind of like working out, you know, going to the gym. You know, where you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes out, I'll do it the next day. You got to stay on a schedule. And we keep each other on that. With one person, that's got to be difficult. So I, to do it for 400 episodes, wow, that's it's incredible. It's really seriously incredible. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I've run into that where I said, oh, I'll say to my wife, uh, uh, you know, I better do a show this week. <laughs> she goes, what are you going to talk about? I, was, I don't have any idea. And then, but you know, it's a funny thing. You get, you get a couple of stories and then you, you turn the mic on and you start to go. And then the next thing you know, you got 20 minutes in and sometimes that's, that's uh, a good enough show. You know, we're, we're blessed where we don't have to have a time limit where I have to, uh, uh, do 30 minutes to an hour. You know, I was doing another podcast and I'm not going to say what it was. Uh, it, it, it was on a political type of podcast, but uh, uh, I had to do an hour because I got hooked up with this one place and it was difficult because you had to get an hour and I think we're going to lose our time. So uh, it seems like a less than a minute. So uh, anyway, uh, it's been a blast doing this, and uh, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on this special anniversary show. And if you want me to set up another table, we can keep talking for a while if you want another room or if you guys got stuff to do uh, either way. Um, but thank you so much for coming on this uh, this special show. It means a lot to me. You guys do a terrific show. Go check them out, Baseball and Barbecue. Uh, they've got great guests on. Who you got coming up? Uh, Jeff, go ahead. We have uh, who do we have coming up? That's a good question. I know we have Wayne Randazzo. We have Ed Hearn coming up. We have Mike Nola from the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. We have a couple of barbecue guys. Uh, Ed Randolph is going to be coming up. With Sean Ludwig and Ryan Sean Cooper. CeeLo Presti. And we have uh, Bob Kendrick, the president okay. of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum also. Um, we've got some great things coming up. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. And the episode we just released, we had uh, some great guests on 
um, we had Ray Sheehan, right? And uh, we had uh, Brett Topel. Terrific. Yeah, the ones who the ones who did our music, Shell and Dave. Yeah, yeah, they were right, at the end. So, yeah, really, and, really, we're having fun. Well, that's the that's the most part. Enjoy it, have fun with it, because you're not going to make any money. Uh, <laughs> and you know that's the one thing I don't like about Zoom is uh, you do get a warning, but when we get together, we really start talking could talk for hours so uh uh we did run out of time there um but i hope you enjoyed that i really enjoyed having those guys on they really mean a lot uh to me and and to my family and and it's just uh they're just terrific and i'm sad that barry couldn't be here but uh we're gonna hear from him in just a second we have a uh I have a voicemail from Mr. Newman, so let's get to that. Let's let's take a break, and then we'll come back with that. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shopdaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. Okay, and as I said, let's see. There we go. All right, we're back. Uh, uh, We have a message from our good friend, uh, Barry, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, uh, but Barry, take it away. Hey, Gary, it's Barry, your partner for the first 100 or so of the now 400 Mets Musings podcast you have recorded. I was hoping to be part of this milestone podcast, but unfortunately I had a tooth extracted this morning and I'm still sore. However, I did want to congratulate you on your 400th show and offer my brief opinion, which I am sure you'll be discussing with your great guests, on MLB's 67-page plan to bring baseball back in 2020. At best, I think it is ambitious and at worst reckless, based on excerpts from Dave Lennon's article in Newsday last week. Most troubling is, and I am reading this from the article word for word, If a player does test positive, he must self-isolate, but others at risk for exposure will not be automatically quarantined for the 14 days. According to the protocols, those who may have been in contact with the infected person will be monitored, and a team physician will determine who should be tested. Along with, in my opinion, this major red flag, there are other parts in the proposal, such as teams being encouraged to land in smaller private airports, and no mechanism to monitor players' whereabouts once the game is over. That if it was me, I'd say no way I'm agreeing to this proposal. And I am not even getting into how they are going to agree on the money each side is willing to concede on. Only to ask, since I don't know the answer, 
when the owners agreed to pay the players $170 million through the end of this month, effectively meaning that the players will be getting, on average, about $200,000 for two months without playing one major league game, with the possibility of having to play games in empty ballparks brought up. Finally, and to toot my own horn a little, I really hope that MLB rethinks this East versus East, Central versus Central, and West versus West plan, one in which the Seattle Mariners would have to make at least two trips to Texas, at least 2,000 miles from their home base, and stick with either the two-state Florida-Arizona plan, allowing each team to play in their spring training homes, or even the Arizona by itself plan, where at least the travel portion can be contained much, much better. Once again, Gary, congratulations on getting to 200 podcasts. It is quite an accomplishment, and hopefully there will be 400 more. So with at least the hope of there being a safe 2020 baseball season, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and finally, let's go Mets. And thank you so much, uh, Barry. Uh, uh, Great to hear from you. And you'll be on live soon, I'm sure. We're going to. We'll get together and have everybody back on again, uh, hopefully when the season starts. But uh, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I know it's a little bit longer than usual, but, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to get some special people on that meant a lot and uh, have meant a lot over the years to the show. And uh, great to have them on, and uh, I don't know what to say, but to thank you all for all your 10 years of, uh, of listening and support, and it's really uh, important. It's really, uh, you know, it, it's really, um, uh, it, it boosts the morale when you, we get an email or something comes in, a voicemail, email, anything that comes in uh, to show, you know, what you think of the show and uh, good or bad, you know, we take criticism as well. Uh, but always nice to hear from the listeners. And uh, so I want to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. And I hope that you don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to or watch the podcast, hit the subscribe button. That helps me grow the show and expand to new listeners. And for the 400th time, I guess, or close to it, um, remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Music.